My name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Bryant McDowell. And I'm Molly Keck. And we're with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology, and this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Welcome back to this final episode of Bugs by the Yard for the year 2022. Um, What are we on in season three? Approaching season three now? Season three will be 2023. Oh, hey, that worked out really nice with the years. It sure did. So congratulations to us for making it three years. Three years and back to three people. So that's good. Good news. Um, But thanks for joining us this week. It's the holiday season. And so we only have one episode this month of December, but we're um, trying to cover some things that you might be experiencing at this time of year as we get into the colder months. Um, the weather, if it gets colder, it was cold for Thanksgiving, which is flip-flop for most of the time for us in Texas. And now it's like, I don't know what it's going to be today in San Antonio, like close to 80. It was almost hot when I walked outside this morning already, um, but eventually it will get colder. And although that may not be until January or February, um, likely you're going to be needing to bring some of your plants in off of the porch or to the porch away from the elements once we do get those freezing temperatures at night. And so we thought it might be uh, prudent to cover some of the insects that you might accidentally bring in on your plants. And when those plants are in front of your face on your kitchen table or right next to where you might sit and read a book, you might notice some pests that were living in that plant or on that plant that might cause you some alarm and then some might and some shouldn't. So um, we'll cover some of those. And the ones that the main ones, just to kind of give you a precursor that we're thinking are uh, white flies, which are really common on poinsettias, scales or mealybugs. You might get weird things like geckos. And then the maybe bad ones that uh, might cause alarm and maybe shouldn't, fungus gnats, cockroaches, and then sometimes we get ants in our plants nesting in that soil that will start to scatter out once they um, hit the in- indoor temperatures. So uh, I thought we would start with whiteflies first because it's today in our office, it is poinsettia day. And um, we have <laughs> we have blocked off half of the parking lot outside. So everyone in our office is mad. And there's a big old truck that brings in hundreds of poinsettias that our horticulture agent uh, cells. And there's tons of poinsettias in our conference room right now. I should take a picture of it because it's like a field of poinsettias. <laughs> but one of the major pests of poinsettias are white flies. And I pronounce it poinsettias. I'm sure other people say poinsettia. So if you hate the way I'm saying it, I apologize. That's just the way I'm doing it. Um, but uh, most of the poinsettias that you should get should were probably treated and taken well care of, but depending on where you got it from, what grower grew it or how long it sat maybe outside at the Lowe's or Home Depot, white flies are a major pest of them. And if you bring your poinsettias home, you might see these little literal white flies flying off of the leaves when you kind of bump them around. And they're not harmful inside, right? I mean, have y'all ever seen damage on poinsettias from white flies? I don't know that I've necessarily seen it. I, I I haven't no I have I, not um I have a poinsettia actually in the in the kitchen that I will be going to inspect later. <laughs> I would make the assumption that they tr- can transmit viruses and things like that, right? I think so. I think it's a, a pretty host specific species that 
like poinsettias. At least that's what I've understood from um, one of our previous kind of greenhouse entomologists, um, Carlos Bogran. He, he would work a lot with poinsettias and white flies and growers and trying to prevent it. And I think that they use just systemic, systemic, systemics to try to prevent it. Cause I think they do, they cause like stunting of the leaves and like just ugliness of the leaves, which is what turns red and what we like to look at. Um, but I know it's like for, for growers of poinsettias, these are major problems. Um, and so if you get a bad one or you get it from a bad grower, you might accidentally bring them inside. But I also know a lot of people that will keep their poinsettias alive for a long time and, um, maybe not plant them in the ground, but put them in a pot and then try to re make them red again by putting them in a closet for a long time, um, in the winter time. And so you might get white flies more likely, I would think that way than maybe straight from the nursery. But if you get white flies, I would say if you're going to throw your poinsettias away after Christmas, then just don't worry about it. Cause they're probably not going to move in your house from that plant to, uh, maybe others, but I mean, how do y'all treat for white flies? I usually just say, wait them out or rinse them off. Uh, insecticidal soap, but you got to hit the underside of the leaf. But yeah. if it's a poinsettia, I'm, I don't typically keep mine. So. If you wanted to be real tedious, I mean, I would go as far to, as to say insecticidal soap and like a Q-tip and rubbing that or something. Um, oh, that is way too much effort. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean... I'm the guy that dusts his plants. So you've got some time on your hands. <laughs> Kudos to you. Wow. It's, it's probably more you're treating for their nymphs, which to me look very scale-like or uh, mm-hmm. mealybug-like, you know, they're kind of like little, almost translucent um, blobs, blobs, right? Like dots of, <laughs> of slime on the underside of the leaf. People might consider them uh, insect eggs right. or something instead mm-hmm. of actual insects. Yeah. And they're, they're pretty sedentary. So they're easy to like actually spot treat. So I guess that's what I would recommend if you really hate those white flies on your poinsettias. And that, that kind of segues into another thing that people will notice is uh, scales or mealybugs, which are sedentary. And if they move, it's very, very small distances. They look like also like blobs. They might look like balls of, of cotton or fluff. Um, or they may look like warts, a scales, hard scales and soft scales to me look like little warts or weird gross, almost galls on the stems and on the leaves. And if you have kind of those sensitive potted plants that you have to bring inside, you might notice, oh my gosh, I've got scales or mealybugs um, on these plants. I've already noticed a lot of, right, like the soft scale that has that real feathery it's almost like cotton candy whenever you touch it everything disappears and you're kind of like was there even an insect there am i is that like a cottony cushion scale yeah yeah and then well and i also have on my cacti the like armored scale the the much harder one it almost it's almost like uh you put a (laughs) like a little pimple patch or something like Uh one of those little round rubber yeah that is a very good analogy description Mm. yeah that's actually perfect (laughs) kind of gross, but it's perfect. But again, with those, they're just on your plants and they're not going to crawl off and get into your house or, or, um, you know, cause any damage indoors. I think that's what most people are worried about when they bring insects in, will they continue to live here or, you know, and how do I not let that happen? (laughs) If you do notice mealybugs on those potted plants, those are 
those sometimes can be really hard to get rid of because they get into like, like plant clips and into the lip of your, of your pots. And you almost have to just completely throw everything away, pull it out, clean all the soil off of the, off of the um, roots if, if you can, and then repot it into a fresh pot and then redo that again when the mealybugs crawl off the plant and get into the, <laughs> to the other stuff. Cause they're just very persistent they they shouldn't kill the plant unless you're not doing anything about it, but they might affect the overall vigor of that plant, I would say. Yeah, I got those in my, I have like a little baby mangave that I'm trying to coddle into larger size. And, you know, it's kind of got all those little nooks and crannies and the mealybugs were way down in there. And I was just like, God, make it more difficult <laughs> for me to try to get to you. Are you just spot treating or did you use a systemic? I no, I, I, well, I use neem. Yeah. Cause that, that was what I had. So I just sprayed some on there and let it kind of soak down into the base of the plant because that's kind of where they were all starting from. So yeah, it took care of it fortunately, but yeah, I know a lot of people with mealybugs will do the cute method with them. And again, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm mentioning systemics and systemics are where are you are a product that you generally put into the soil, the roots of the soil, take it up. And so as these sucking, these are sucking insects, as they suck up the juices of the plant, they ingest the pesticide that way. Um, but if this is a plant that you're going to put outside in the springtime, that systemic might still be present. And that can, we know now that that can affect um, pollinators. So uh, if it, if it's never going to go outside, then it doesn't really matter. Uh, but also don't eat the plant probably, or, you know, anything like that, or just if it's small enough, usually these potted plants are small enough that spot treating um, can be a little bit more feasible than your big old landscape plants outside. Spot treating or in, in my um, experience with mealybugs. So I've got, I'm trying to remember, it's an American beauty berry. Um, for those of you, you know, who see the fall plants that have these beautiful like purple berries all over them. I've got mealybugs, but they tend to stick to one branch. And so I will just, I mean, it's not worth it for me to go in and with a Q-tip, every little nook and cranny, I just knock off that one little, you know, branch and it'll recover. It'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great thing to do for scales too. I mean, with mealybugs that don't move and scales that pretty much don't. Once they're out of stage, you know, pruning off that section. But again, it also, that depends on how quickly you find that infestation. (laughs) So if it's covering the whole entire plant, then that is going to be different than if you are, you know, kind of inspects on a somewhat regular basis and you're catching it right as it begins. Yeah. Um, I think two or three. Three, well, two things that might be in the soil when you bring those potted plants in, um, you might notice some little cockroaches scurrying out, which of course nobody wants in their house. But I think that the ones that usually are in that soil are those Suriname cockroaches or another one. I call them wood roaches. Wizzy, you probably know exactly what they are, but the immature Surinams are like almost as wide as they are long. And they're, they're, what do you think? Like quarter of an inch to half an inch. And then the adults have like a, a, like a tan wing color and then a really dark pronotum, which, which is like a big shield, or if you want to just say it's their giant head. Um, but they're just a, they're just a 
an occasional thing. They never really actually infest anything. And they really like being in leaf litter and outside and maybe in those plants and, you know, just shoo it outside and let it compost and do what it's supposed to do in nature. But it's not, not hurting the plant roots. That's the like number one question I get. And then is it bad for my house? No, they're not. They're like the best roaches to have. Yeah. I'd always get those in our, we had a little compost area and they would always be over there. Um, so the cerium, like you mentioned that dark pronotum, but uh, I mean, there's so many species of roaches out there that people very rarely even encounter probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, what I would call a wood roach looks just like that, but also has like that uh, lighter pronotum. So like the head. Yeah. Is yeah. Um, that's, that's I think those wood roaches are Parca blata. Par- yes. Yeah. Wizzy is the cockroach expert and she knows all the cockroaches. Cockroach queen. Yeah, there's a lot like like what's the what's your favorite one? The red banded or the, the red? pale bordered field cockroach. They're so cute. The pale bordered, which is like red, right? It's got a orange pronotum and then like yeah. pale creamy white on the sides, and then the the wings and body are like a dark blackish gray. It's just they're so pretty, colorful. And then there's a Cuban. I call them Cuban cockroaches. The green one. Oh yeah, those are fantastic. Those yeah, I get those in my beehives. They also have uh, yellow ones. Oh really? Of the yeah, there's a yellow variety as well. I have also seen what I assume to be Cuban cockroaches, but it's not green and it's like tan. So I don't know if it's the same species, just a different morph. Um, but it yeah, maybe. looks the same. But there's a lot. I mean, the point being, there's gross cockroaches in your house. And then there's cockroaches outside and in nature, they have a purpose. And so when you bring nature, your potted plant indoors, you might bring that nature with you and just shoo them outside. They're not, you know, you never noticed them outside in that potted plant or in the soil. And they're, they didn't immediately start doing damage to the plant today when you noticed that it was there. So you might get cockroaches in, nesting in that soil. And then you definitely might get ants in the soil, ants in your plants and they, you know, usually these are smaller colonies that can be in a, you know, a gallon size potted plant or maybe even smaller. And um, when you water, they scatter because they don't want to drown. And uh, you see them, you might see them or them carrying their little white babies with them, which is always kind of cute. <laughs> but it's like, you know, rover ants or big headed ants or, you know, what other species you think would be in there? I have seen, well, I usually get rover ants in my potted plants, but I have also had fire ants before, which is not pleasant. No. And I have also had tawny crazy ants. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, then those we might not want to. So maybe water your plant, watch it really well, shake it a little bit. And if you're in an area that has those tawny crazy ants or you have tawny crazy ants outside, you probably don't want to bring that inside because they'll, no, they'll, won't they start to nest? Um, uh, They, they can come in and I mean, it's like, they're going to spread, but essentially had tawny crazy ants in a potted plant. And I essentially went and boiled some water. Like I picked up the pot and I saw a few of them like coming out of the little hole at the bottom. And so I left the pot in place, went and boiled some water, dumped it in there on the plant. And all I'm like, Nope, you're, Mm -hmm. you're all going to die. And then once everything was dead, I chunked it. As I was going to ask, did it kill the roots of the plant? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like, course. nope, this plant I'm sacrificing. I can get a different one. <laughs> that or um, I don't need this. <laughs> a lot of people want to use orange oil or oil orange extract, and that's an herbicide, like a really good herbicide. So if you don't care about the plant, then yeah, do it. But 
you could yeah. do what Wizzy did and that's cheap, you know, water's, well, I don't know, these days, a gallon of water might cost just as much as that other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, especially with, with fire ants though, you, you make a good point. Go ahead and just kind of water that first. My, my issue is I'll always bring all the plants in and I think, oh, I need to water everything. And maybe don't do that. <laughs> but um, that, that's whenever, you know, you get that alarming, really, you'll leave it probably overnight. You'll wake up in the morning and you have like a trail of ants and, you know, they're probably going to the door and trying to leave indoors anyway. But um, it, it can be alarming when you have a trail of fire ants coming out of a plant. And then that overwatering, which we all do when we bring our stuff inside, because it just doesn't evaporate as well, can lead to fungus gnats, which are just a little black gnat. We will a lot of times get them here in the office during this time of year because people have poinsettias and, you know, and also in an office, you just have, you know, green greenery and, and plants. And we used to have a um, a secretary who, when they landed on her, she would get a little welt that would pop up. So they have scratchy feet. I think that you can, you know, any, you can, anyone can react to any protein in an insect and she did. And so when they landed on her, that they were very itchy and she would say they were biting her, but they weren't not actually biting her. They just touched her. And then she had some sensitivity to it. Um, so some, you know, offices might say I'm getting bit by these things or something like that. And it's just, it's not the case, but it's still not pleasant, but fungus snaps, um, the larvae of fungus gnats, their little maggots will feed on fungus that grows in the soil. And I read somewhere too, that there are some species that will feed on the roots, but I think that's incredibly rare. I, I don't, have y'all ever heard that? I, think yeah, I have, and I think you have to have really high populations of them. Okay. So you, <laughs> you let something go for a long time. So, cause I've always yeah. told people they're not harming the plant. They're just annoying you. Yeah. Well, I would say if you have that high of a population of fungus at larvae in a potted plant, your plant is probably going to be dead from you watering it. So That's true. <laughs> that is true. The, the thing about fungus gnats that bug me is that they'll move on into other like soil type media. So they'll get into my cockroach cage. And, you know, this is, these are only things mm -hmm. that you and I can really relate to. Um, and other people are like, well, I don't have that in my house, but like the frog's cage, he's got that little pulpy stuff. Mm -hmm. And so they'll get into things that you just keep really wet. So if you have a snake or, you know, reptile, something like that, they can move over into that or vice versa. They can start in that wet stuff and then go into your plants. And I would say just, you know, you notice it because they're flying around, um, put your potted plant in a very small space, a bathroom, a closet, a cabinet, whatever, and leave it there overnight. And in the morning, if there's flies flying around, you know, that's the source. And the best way to control it is to stop watering. But sometimes that doesn't really fix it once they've started breeding there. But repot the plant if you can, or let it super duper dry out or something. But it, in my experience, unless you replace that soil, it doesn't really, even if it's dried out, it doesn't get rid of the fungus gnats. Well, because it's still going to have that fungus in it. And as soon as you water it again, you've got the moist area and here we go again. I was going to say that, yeah. Unless you are unless you are repotting to the point where you are quite literally removing all of that media, you're cutting off all of the dead roots, you're giving it a good hose down, and you get completely fresh soil those are the steps you've got to take in order to get rid of, you know, anything in the soil that's going to you know, still be present, the fungus or more larvae. Can you also use, I've heard of people using BT because it is a fly. So, you know, like the BT 
With mosquito dunks. For, yeah, for mosquitoes. But if you buy them in the granules and then water it in, um, I have never personally done it. So I don't know how effective it is. I've never like seen any studies on it, but I hear a lot of people. And that to me, that makes sense if they're flies. What do you think? I want to try it is what I think. Yeah. <laughs> but you're skeptical. I, well, I mean, logically it makes sense, but I don't know how broad spectrum within the fly category, the BT Israeliensis is. Yeah. So, but I mean, and how much moisture you would need, right? And how, yeah, if they consume fungus, you'd need that BT to the spores to somehow stick to the fungus so they consume it because it has to be eaten. So like logically it, it, it should make sense, but then like just the technicality of it, how, how likely is it to really affect them? Right. And the dosage. Mm -hmm. I've also heard um, of people making, gosh, it's like a peroxide uh, drench where you'll do like, I, I, I should probably look this up before I'm here talking about it, but um, a, a drench of some sort. And I, I think it's descri- uh, described as like cleaning off the roots. So like once you're repotting it, you'll, you'll, yeah. Anyway, kill all the fungus is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, there's drenches you can apply, I think, to the soil, but the bottom line is the source is the fungus. And unless you repot and clean out that fungus, then it's likely you're going to experience them over and over and over again. So, and then bottom line is uh, you water too much because fungus grew and fungus only grows in moist environments. So cut it back. Our horticulture guy will say to put a few ice cubes in, in the wintertime, a few ice cubes in your potted plant. And that's all it really needs is just a drink of water every day. See, I have a whole problem with like moisture levels because I have some monsteras and I'm like, well, they like moisture and, but how do I keep this? And it's, it's a terrible balance and I should probably just get rid of them because I don't know what I'm doing. Or get a greenhouse cover, make a, make a closed (laughs) patio. That's like a greenhouse. And then you can just walk out there and enjoy it. I need a solarium. Yeah, you do. Ask for Christmas for a solarium or Mother's awesome. Day. <laughs> well, that's kind of all I have. Y'all have any others? I don't think so. I mean, insect wise. Yeah, you might get geckos and spiders, geckos and spiders. But, you know, bottom line, same with the others is that it's mm. it's an occasional thing. You brought nature inside and nature came with it. And uh, it's not going to hurt your house. It's not going to hurt your plant. They're living well take that back. White flies and scales and mealybugs may, um, but you know, you're just noticing something that's already existed. It didn't just pop up because you move things into the house. Um, and I, I would not worry about insects on your plant infesting your house in any way. And I think that's what most people are primarily concerned about. So um, just inspect them, inspect your plants before you bring them inside so that you don't maybe bring an unwanted guest with it and um, take care of them. If it's freezing, plants, pipes, and pets for sure do bring them inside if it's a plant that you do want to keep to survive the winter months. And so um, that's what we've got for this year. We wish everyone a happy holidays and a happy new year.